Welcome to Coffee Talk. This is an intimate conversation about parenting with the gospel in mind. I'm Jeff Summers, and this is my lovely wife, Cammy, the cream in my coffee. <laughs> uh, actually, she's the caffeine in my coffee. The, the reason <laughs> I drink coffee is for the caffeine. That's the only reason you don't drink decaf? No, that's, that's a waste of time. Oh. I bet when you get older, you'll drink decaf. Uh, let's not talk about that. All right, so this is episode <laughs> seven uh, of our series on teens and technology, and we're continuing to talk about social media. And today we're going we're gonna to discuss uh, kind of the heart behind what you post. Um, Kimmy, do you post things on social media? Well, yes. Actually, I post quite a bit because it's part of my job at the Discipleship Ministries at the PCA. I work for CDM. And so part of my job is posting. I post all kinds of things, but not on my personal posts. Generally, I don't post a lot. Personally, I kind of feast and famine. I go through a phase of, hey, I should post more. And then I go through phases of, I don't want anybody to know what mm. I'm thinking. <laughs> what, what kinds of things do you post? For my personal post, if I post, I usually try to stick with um, inspirational or encouraging quotes. I want to say something that somebody else might go, oh, yeah, that's helpful. Mm -hmm. Do you think the, the people on Facebook really know you? No. Know the real you? <laughs> no, if they have a picture of me, it probably would be a better picture of me than I actually am, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Yeah. Well, that's a great segue into you know just talking about this subject because... Definitely, and we have we have touched on this in other podcasts. Uh, in the heart behind the things that you post, keeping in mind that it's it's an advertisement for your life, right? It is fake. Um, a lot of the things that we post are airbrushed as much as we can. Um, I'm famous in our family photos for strategically placing a child in front of my belly because <laughs> uh, it just for makes sure. me feel better about myself. Yeah. Um, so even in in that sense, right? We have. We have control over that, and the temptation as we're posting is to make our lives look perfect. Our life is not perfect. It is not perfect. <laughs> but according um, to Facebook, I would seem way more spiritual than I actually am probably. Yeah. Well, okay, yeah, that's that can be a, a thing, right? A, a certain image you want to project uh, mm -hmm. that we all struggle with, and we can all relate to that. We want to be viewed in a certain way. For sure, and and people spend so much time trying to get the perfect shot. Right. Um, our daughter, we I think we've mentioned, is amazing at taking selfies. She can always put that camera right where it does make you look really good. I, I wish most I, flattering angle. I know. I wish I could do that. But it, interestingly, just in the fact of what people are trying to project, like I'm having the best time ever. I'm in the most exciting place ever. Um, People have died taking selfies. Uh, oh, that's awful. Yeah, like in like last year, and this probably is, this is this number is actually probably bigger than this. That there were uh, in 2018 259 deaths taking selfies. Selfie deaths. Selfie deaths. So uh, <laughs> I know one of the main places this happens often is the Grand Canyon. They're wow. just not happy being far away from the edge, so they want to get closer and closer to the edge to get the best shot, and then they fall. I don't know to laugh or cry at that. That's yeah. terrible. And it happens all over the world. So think about it. How did they even assemble these da this data? So probably <laughs> there's more deaths that are selfie-imposed that we wouldn't even know about. I mean, if you find a dead person and their cell phone's near them, you don't necessarily know that's what they were trying to do. Or maybe they're in the car, taking selfies in the yeah. car. 
How sure. would you know? Right. You wouldn't know. So it's probably even a lot higher than than 260 a year. Now that is worldwide, but still, that's pretty. pretty you wouldn't serious. think that you could die by selfie. <laughs> no, but that shows kind of the obsession that we have. Because the only reason they're taking this, they want the perfect selfie, is for that shot. Right. For their social media. Right. So because of that, it, it makes a lot of sense that they're going to go to extreme uh, ends to take the best shot. I wonder how many of those people that die by selfie are under the age of 25. <laughs> Yeah, I bet a lot. I bet most of them. I would doubt very many of them are over 40. Those that, that, that <laughs> their, uh, their brain's not quite done developing yet, and they haven't really thought through the consequences of getting closer and closer to the edge of the Grand Canyon. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, well, uh, another thing to think about when we're posting, uh, that we're especially to talk to our kids about, is that posting is forever. I mean, you can go in and delete a post right. for sure, but once you have posted something, it's out there in cyberspace, and you don't know who's already collected that image um, or, you know, that story that you've posted. It's out there. Right. I, when I interviewed at the job I have now four years ago, they looked at my Facebook, and I came in, right and they were, like, they were like, oh, you're the superhero family, because I had that as one of my posts of our whole family dressed up for Halloween or something. And I felt a little violated. Like, what are you doing looking at my personal Facebook? But I, yeah. it is public, right? So it's not. Well, and, and it's well known now that colleges look at your social media and see what your footprint is on social media. So that's definitely something that's a little closer to home, at least if you're talking to a, a high school student. I don't think that's going to make your junior high student feel that great. But I, I mean, I can't tell you the number of students that over the years I've heard of that have gotten expelled from their school wow. because of things they've posted on social media or teachers who've lost their job because of what's posted on social media. Or that can go with any profession, really. Well, I've heard of people that um, the police found they were dealing drugs or whatever because of social media on Instagram or something, right? Yeah. Somebody was telling it's me about that the other day. Not the smartest crook in the, in the <laughs> world. But teens aren't smart in that way either, which is a good thing. If you're monitoring their social media, you often find out a lot of things they're involved in. Because kids aren't, students aren't very good at hiding their sin, uh, which is one of the things that is, is nice about that. I actually pray that God will reveal my children's sin to me, that sin that I can speak truth into. Yeah. So that, so that I guess social media is a way to find that, right? It if I'm engaged. Absolutely. Um, another thing to consider is, is thinking about what, what, as far as what the challenges are for our kids, is think about the number of people that are Instagram famous. Um, there are so many people who have, they're, they're called, uh, what is it, social, they're, they're influencers. Right. Uh, of culture, cultural influencers. And some of them even get paid to push products or things like that. And that's a huge draw for a lot of students. They want not only for to get a lot of likes and a lot of people to see what they post, but they're chasing this fame. I mean, I, we even had a story one time, one of the guys in my D group uh, was at a friend's house who was an influencer she had a post that had several thousand views and a bunch of guys kind of did a conga line, you know, coming out of a room and it was funny and she posted it and it went viral. And like he had 50, 60,000 views in 24 hours. And he was talking about it with us of how addictive it was. Like he, yeah. he kept checking every few minutes to see, did more people watch it? Did more people watch it? 
and he was enamored. I mean, and girls were, uh, you know, directly messaging him. Oh, are you the cute one? That's the third one in line. And, and he was just completely overwhelmed by this idea of fame that happened in a literally seven to nine second video. And he was all over the internet talking and feeling important. I can't imagine. I can't imagine how you would process that. Like, how do you, and then how do you recover from it? Because you're not going to stay in that yeah. place of importance, right? So putting back on our old brain and that we didn't grow up with this technology. Right. We had nothing like that nothing. that we grew up with that could even compare to, oh, I did something yesterday that 50,000 people saw. <laughs> I mean, Praise unless God. You, unless you were on the news, <laughs> and that's usually not a good thing, yeah. right? Praise God. Praise God that there was nothing like this when I was a kid, because I would have made such bad choices. I'm com- I'm quite confident that I would make bad choices. Well, and another another huge temptation right now is uh, virtue signaling. Okay. Have you, have you heard of that? I haven't. Tell me what that what you mean by well, that. Well, virtue signaling is uh, definitely now with all the politics and the racial tension we have in our culture. The um, the lockdowns, for example, you can try to signal to people, oh, well, this is who I am. Look at me. I'm right. virtuous in whatever side of the virtue you choose to be on. So, for example, if it's if you're if mask wearing is a virtue for you, you might post about that or feel pressure to post. Oh, you need to wear your mask or post articles about that and signal your virtue that that's something that you value. Um or it could be the other way around. If you're against masks, there you are at a rally against masks, right? Uh, yeah. Saying, hey, this is, this is important to me. I mean, we, certainly people use the web for posting all kinds of information that they want to propagate or influence people with. But we can feel a lot of tension to, to signal um, that we're with you in whatever cause people are talking about. It's the bandwagon. You know, we learned about in marketing. I remember in sixth grade, they talked about the bandwagon, you know, in commercials and stuff. You say, everybody's doing it. And if, if you want to be a part of the group, you have to do it, too. And so that's kind of what that virtue signaling is born out of, is that desire to be a part of whatever group it is. And you signal you're a part of it by because you're responding and doing what they think is valuable. Right. Mm-hmm. But as a student who doesn't really even know himself or herself that well, that that's a huge pressure to live with. Like either I'm leaving myself out and I'm being rejected or I'm doing something, but do I really believe in it or not? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a huge pressure for us. I mean, it's a huge pressure for everyone to virtue signal. I mean, I, I felt so much pressure but then I've kind of sometimes, depending on the issue, I've been glad I haven't shared because when you even when you virtue signal, though, you can't you can't say everything about the subject. Right. And so you can actually then make somebody mad. You weren't even aware, you know, because you didn't say everything that you were thinking. And it's super easy to kind of trap yourself in a position or in a situation or be misunderstood. Very easy to be misunderstood. Yeah. There's a lot of that going on, um, especially in today's supercharged climate. Yeah, I can see that. It makes me think of, you know, when I think about that, I think the pressure to be a part of a group, it just makes me run away. I'm like, okay, well, oh, everybody's posting on that. I'm not going to post because I almost like reactively, I I don't want to put myself out there 
to be rejected or to be, have people misunderstand me or to misunderstand my heart. And so I tend to, to pull closer to the vest mm-hmm. with that. But I think that's because I'm old. You know, I think yeah, teenagers again. and younger people would be more likely to jump in and say something just to be a part. This speaks to the fact that for us, it's a tool. Uh, it's a, a medium that we consume, but it's not a way of life. Right. Uh, social media is not an area that we would consider part of our everyday the halls that we walk and everyday life. Yeah. yeah. It's not my community. No. It's definitely something I use. Well, so what does the Bible have to say about these things? I mean, that's that's important. There's some verses we can consider when we look at this. Uh, the first one that came to my mind is, is 2 Corinthians 2, 14 to 16, which says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, the fragrance of death to death, and to the other, the fragrance of life to life. I mean, this is this one speaks so clearly. We are to spread the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere. And we are described here in these passages as the aroma of Christ. And so I think that's a great principle to convey to our kids, our teens and tweens, to say, before you post something, are you being the aroma of Christ Mm. in what you share? Yeah, that's a big standard. I mean, we're supposed to be the aroma of Christ all the time, not just in what we post. But that's that's the whole point, the anonymity of online or the non-face-to-face, right? I can say this and not see your reaction or not experience it is so tempting I mean, that's what's so dangerous about Twitter is you don't know who's tweeting at you and it, it, and people can say whatever they want. Well, and there's an awareness of others, of how your post affects others to be the aroma of Christ, right? Like, so if I have a party and I didn't invite everybody at my school that to post on it is could be hurtful mm-hmm. to someone who wasn't invited to the party. So then to not post on it is really being the aroma of Christ versus you know, posting every everything that happens in my life, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know, right. then it's harder when you have such complete access to my life not to see my sin and my need for a savior. Absolutely. <laughs> so I think I think that's a big call for well, a student and, yeah, and, and for us. To what you just said, uh, Colossians 4, verse 5 says, walk in the wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. You know, if we took this verse really seriously before we post and even read that verse before, I, especially if you're entering into one of these controversial topics. Right. Oh, is what I'm saying seasoned with salt and, and grace, um, you know, so that I can answer people in a way that is gentle and kind. Well, can you imagine how our social media platforms would be transformed if all Christians just prayed before they posted? I've never thought of that before, but it'd be a different place, right? Yeah. No, that's great advice, too. Absolutely. (laughs) I've never thought about that. I'm going to try that because I think that's powerful. All right. So So be sure to come back next week as we continue our series on teens and technology. Um, Next week, we're going to be talking about practical ways that you can introduce your child if they're not already on social media. How How do you begin that conversation? How do you open that door? How do you slowly introduce them uh, to the online world. 
So what would you say is the homework for Parent You this week? Well, um, one thing to dis- is to discuss with your child the difference between what is real and what is fake online. Um, how do you know what's real online? That's hard. Yeah, I mean, fake news is a part of our uh, nomenclature now, right, in everyday, everyday life. And so that's something uh, you can share your own heart and how you decide what to post, like what you would say is pray before you post, right? Did you just pray before you post. I can make bumper stickers. Pray yeah. before you post. You could probably make some money on that. Um, <laughs> discuss your personal code of conduct online and encourage your teen uh, to come up with his or her own standards and talk through that with them. Yeah, I think that's I think that's powerful. I mean, I, for me, I don't post on politics. I just don't. It doesn't matter. I, I don't want that to be a part of my persona online. And so my own personal code of conduct is that. I wouldn't say that that's appropriate for everyone, but I do think it's important to think through what is your own criteria? Because if you don't think it through, it's easy to end up making mistakes, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then plan a weekly check-in about social media. Um, how does that make you feel? How, how, so being on social media, how much time did you spend on it? And, of course, try to make sure that your interaction is more of a coach uh, than as a dictator when it comes to this. Yeah, and this is going to be a piece of homework that we have for this whole series that we're doing on social media because I think it's important that we continue the conversation it's easy to think well I said that once you know like if God could just tell me something once to be obedient and I was always obedient in it you know I think we have to repeat and engage to continue the conversation well thanks for joining us today on parent you we get it parenting is hard but you are not alone God has called you to be the parent of your children during this time, and he will equip you. Amen.